The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. What's got you running scared? Feeling disoriented, even a little bit lost? I realize some of you, when I ask that question, you're like, man, I'm not, I'm not running scared in my life. Let me ask you, what, what enemy is up against you that has got you turned on your heels going in the opposite direction. But if you could, if you could not run and you stood and fought, this fight would be worth it. It wouldn't just be something to, you know, standing up for yourself, looking out for your own interests. I mean, this would be a fight that would matter. It would make a difference in your life and the lives of people around you. It might impact the world and even generations that come after you. You think to yourself, man, I, I wish I could stand up and fight back, but your instinct, the way you've lived, maybe even the way you grew up was you're used to turning and running. And as a result, you live a little bit more disoriented, a little bit more uncertain. About this time last year, I had the privilege of going out to uh, California for a conference. And while I was out there, I got, as soon as I landed, my goal was to hike one of the mountain peaks in the San Bernardino mountain range. And if you know me, you might have heard a little bit of this story before. But as soon as I got there, it was, it was already afternoon by the time I got out to the trail. And uh, it, so obviously this time of year, it was going to get dark early. And, and so... Uh, about a 13-mile about a trek there and back, and I felt like after I had done the math, I could do this hike, and I did really good. I got up to the summit, to the peak, 10,850 foot, uh, before sunset. Problem was, the hike took me a lot longer because it was in uh, knee-to-waist-deep snow, which I had absolutely not anticipated when I set out for this thing. And so, you know, just trying to trek up the face of this mountain in the snow. I mean, you, like some of you are just trying to picture this, and you're like, this guy's an idiot. Some people have said that. Um, I got to the top of the mountain, watched the sunset, which is never good. That's not good to watch a sunset when you still have six and a half miles to get back to the lodge. And so I, after I watch, I turn around, I start, I mean, I'm hustling as fast as you can hustle in waist-deep snow, trying to get down the face of this mountain. And uh, I made five miles out. I did great. But the problem is five, and a half, five miles when you have six and a half is not very good in pitch black. And so about a mile and a half still to go, I completely lost my trail. I thought I was trying to do all bear grills in it, using the stars to navigate. Uh, and I have, you know, I have an extraordinary amount of determination and a really um, great confidence with misdirection. Meaning a lot of confidence going the wrong direction. And, and so I wandered the next two hours in the darkness trying to find my way, literally going from one ridge to the next ridge. And at one point, after I had sunk over ways deep into a, you know, like a snow bank, I, I mean, I was exhausted. I would say this quietly. I was a little bit scared because I had read that sign on the way out that said, beware of mountain lions. And at this point, I'm starting to go, uh-oh, this story could end badly. And frankly, even if I do make it off this mountain alive, my wife's going to kill me. And so I, I put my head down on the snow. It was like this ice-crusted snow. I dropped my head on it. I said, God, help. 
And I would love to say that immediately like this, supernatural light blazed open and, and showed me the trail or that some helicopter, you know, spotted me and pulled me out. It's not at all what happened. Um, I, I pulled myself out of the snow. And then like this, maybe, maybe some courage, courage to go against my instinct. My instinct kept saying, go further and further this direction. But uh, this courage kind of said, go in the opposite direction. Go counterintuitive to what you think you should do. And so I, I went this way, which felt like I was just backtracking in the opposite direction of where I thought I should go. And as I came up the next ridge, I saw the most beautiful sight of my entire life uh, outside of my wedding day, see my bride coming down the aisle. Outside of that, most beautiful sight, uh, a light from the lodge where I started. And as soon as I saw the light, right, like cue the sound effects, um, I, I locked in my eyes. I was like, I'm, I'm not gonna lose sight of that, that light. I, I, and so I was walking like up and down through the snow, like, but I, I was not gonna lose sight of that lodge, of that light. And uh, I made my way back. And that's not just my journey or my experience, that's our journey, isn't it? Right? We set off in life, with aspirations to climb this great mountain. We have great ambition. We're gonna achieve our dreams. We're gonna accomplish great things. We're gonna uh, fulfill our goals. And then somewhere along the line, we lose our way. And we spend the rest of our life exhausted, frantic, scared, expending lots of energy, but not getting any closer to the goal we set out to accomplish. And even if we did accomplish it, like I did, we're not quite sure that that was a goal worth accomplishing. And here, here's the thing, right? We can spend our lives lost or locked into a life purpose. If you live lost, you expend frantic energy. When you're locked in, you use focused energy. Over here, you keep falling. Over here, you keep fighting. And so what are you doing? Are you lost, frantic, falling? Are you locked in, focused, fighting? So I'm gonna bring you to an ancient story set in the, in the ancient text of a book of history found in the Bible, because it's not just the story of man throughout history, but the story of how God interacts with man. And there's this guy named David who was raised up from being a farm boy to becoming the king of the nation of Israel. And along the way, he becomes this great warrior leader and, and all kinds of men are rallying behind him to fight with him. And so now it's at the end of his life, he's looking back and he's kind of writing out his last thoughts and sharing some of his kind of like favorite memories. And in his, as he lists his favorite memories, there, some of them are recorded in the Bible, in this book of history in 2 Samuel. And we're going to look at 2 Samuel chapter 23, starting in verse 8. These are the names of David's mighty men. Josheb, Boshbeth, Atakmanite, was chief of the three. He raised his spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. I get why he earned the right to be the number one of the top guys. I mean, that's pretty epic. Next to him was Eliezer, son of Dodai, the Ahoite. As one of the three mighty men, he was with David when they taunted the Philistines, gathered at past Damon for battle. Then the men of Israel retreated. So, whoa, wait, what? 
So like we're reading this historical account of these memories that David has. And he's like, yeah, there was this guy, you know, Josheb. He goes out there and he killed 800 guys with just his spear. It was pretty epic. It was like a great memory. And you could actually like see David on his deathbed, like just grinning. Like what a guy, man, what a friend, what a, what a warrior. And then he's like reflecting back and he's like, yeah, you remember that day me and Eliezer and all those guys were out there and we're like taunting the Philistines and past Damon and, and then they started chasing us and we all ran away. What? I love it because it kind of captures how most of us live. Lost and running. It, the Philistines are like the chronic enemy. They're always there. The Philistines, uh, they predated David. I mean, his ancestors fought these guys. His, his friends, his brothers, his older brothers actually were in battle against these guys. And like, here they are again, same fight over and over and over. And so like, you know what we're gonna do? We're just gonna like post something annoying about them on Facebook. Uh, you know what we're gonna do? We're just gonna write a little blog, and just make fun of them, just annoy them. And then the moment they come at us, we're just gonna like take off for the hills. And, and that's, that's these guys. And you can see David chuckling, but, but this story didn't make it in here for that reason. No, let's keep reading. Uh, but he, Eliezer, stood his ground and struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. The troops returned to, to Eliezer, but only to strip the dead. They had all run probably hiding out. And by the time they realized, hey, where, where's Eliezer? So they start backtracking their steps, going back. And by the time they get back to where Eliezer was, they find him with his sword frozen to his hand, all the Philistines dead, and they just pick up the pieces. They just clean up, not just clean up the mess, they just get all the plunder, all the money, all the proceeds from the victory. And, and, and I've, I have plenty of moments in my own life where I wanted to run away from a fight. When we first moved here to Hagerstown, we had this dream to start a church, believing that God had called us to make a difference in this city, in our community, that we could impact friends and neighbors' lives. And, but, but as I shared this dream with one of the, some of the senior leaders of the organization that was going to sponsor us to start, one of the top guys said to me, you're going to fail. No, you're going to fail, but you're going to run like a dog with your tail between your legs. And I felt like that already. I didn't need anybody to tell me. I wanted to run away. This is a scary thing to do. Like, oh, I'm going to change the world. And, and then just recently, you know, we're rallying 24 churches to come together for our city to, to address some of the significant issues in this city, city believing believing that may, just maybe we could address issues like joblessness and homelessness and hunger and poverty and deal with issues like human trafficking and hate and hurt and marginalization and division. And, and then people are like, I mean, what difference could we make? And my instinct is to turn heel and run. But then I read about this guy, Eliezer. Something in me goes, now I want to be like that guy. Everybody else is running for the hills and and then can you see it? I mean, just with your mind's eye, can you see it? There's Eliezer, his face, his jaw, his hand, his muscles clenched, his eyes blazing, his face glaring, his stance firm with a stone-faced determination that says, 
I may not win this fight, but this is a fight worth battling. And if you find me, if I don't make it, you're not going to find me with my back to my enemy. You're going to find me facing my enemy with my sword clenched to my hand. And even if I die, this is worth dying for. Yeah. All right. So this reminds me. I, I think that the author, I think Mel Gibson got the quote from this, right? So Braveheart, right? This is William Wallace in the battle, and he's like, you know, uh, fight and you may die, run and you will live at least for a while, but lying in your beds many years from now, would you not give every day from this day to that to have one chance, just one chance? You see, I've watched this. To come back here and say to your enemies, you may take our lives, but you will never take our freedom. Right? Come on. Like something in you. Doesn't that make your like blood start running a little hot? Don't you read this and you're like, oh man, I wish I had some of that. All right. What's the principle? The principle is a principle that transcends time. It becomes incredibly relevant even for you right now in this year. It's this. I want encourage you to write this down. Type it into your social media. Type it onto your email. Type it in your note taking. Write it on your program or tablet, whatever. Face your fight. That's right. I'm going to challenge you to face your fight. Stop running. Challenge with facing our fight is that every one of us are facing a fight or running from a fight that is far greater than we even realize. The the enemy that is hunting us is far more powerful than most of us are prepared to battle. In fact, the worst enemy of all, the greatest enemy of our soul is not one that you can see visibly. It's not even something you necessarily feel around you. It's the enemy within, and it's called sin. And sin has already defeated us. So it's a little bit difficult to face a fight when you start from the ground, from the standpoint of having already lost the battle. That's right. You and I begin life defeated with an enemy inside of us called sin, constantly cutting out the legs from underneath us, constantly destroying us, constantly leaving us running in fear. Fortunately for us, God did not leave us defeated. In fact, he intervened in our story because, the, because God saw that sin, which constantly leaves us ruined, defeated, and destroyed, um, had a far worse consequence, which is this. Sin doesn't just wreck our lives. Sin leads toward an eternal ruin. Don't miss this. Sin isn't just at work annoying you. Sin isn't at work taunting you. Sin has destroyed us on the battlefield and left us in a, lot, on a, in a life headed for forever destruction. God intervened in our story by becoming one of us. Jesus Christ took the collective eternal death sentence that we faced. He took the punishment we deserve and he put it on himself so that when Jesus died, he died once for all. A way of saying it is that Jesus faced our fight. He took on our death, our sin, our judgments, that when he died, he died once for all, so that anyone who believes in Jesus by faith is forgiven of their sins and given new life, so that 
You and I could not just live an ordinary average life, not just that we could survive, not just that we could make it till we die. He gave us new life so that we could live a true and eternal life. And when you believe in Jesus by faith, God's spirit enters into your spirit and you're given a supernatural courage to live a life beyond your wildest imagination and actually turn to face your fight. How? Why? Well, let me read to you a, a brief uh, verse from a letter written by a guy named Paul, whose name was previously Saul. He changed his name because he had a vision of God. He met Jesus in a dream, and he turned his life around. So a guy who was previously someone who murdered Christians became a Christian and then started churches all across Asia and Europe to tell people about Jesus to one of those churches, the church in Corinth. At the very end of his letter, he says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 56, the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You have already won. When you believe in Jesus by faith, the battle you're facing becomes God's battle, and he has already given you victory. You are not defeated. You are not destroyed. You are not facing death. Death transitions to true life. The battle you're facing, is the ba that battle is the Lord's battle, and if you believe in Jesus by faith, you give that battle to him, and you let him fight for you. The victory is the Lord's through Jesus Christ. It's your faith that activates the victory of God in your life. Are you walking in victory or are you walking defeated? Are you running away because you're scared out of your mind or are you running toward your battle? Now let me challenge you. Let's jump back to the story, 2 Samuel chapter 23. Here's Eliezer. He was with David when they taunted the Philistines, gathered at Pasdamim for battle. He was with David when they taunted, all right, here you go, right? Then the men of Israel retreated. And so we're going we're gonna to look right there and go, what, is, what do we take away right from this? Well, the first thing is I want you to find your fight. So I'm going to give you some principles on how you face your fight. And the first one is you have to find your fight. As I referenced, the Philistines were, um, they were an evil, wicked people that lived in the land where the Israelites had a na their nation established. But they also lived, they bordered them as well. And what they would do is they would come in and they would terrorize and they would, they would abuse their people. They would rip people off. They would pillage the land and then they would run back to their own cities. And, and so this enemy was always there, chronically annoying, chronically terrorizing, just like always, always bothering the Israelite nation. In fact, David, when he was a young man, he went to visit his brothers at Past Damon. It was otherwise called Ephes Damon, same, same name. And that name uh, means, it translates boundary of blood, because this was just like a longstanding battlefield. And David went to that battlefield where his brothers were fighting. He brought them food. And when he got there, there was this really massive warrior named Goliath who was making fun and taunting the Philistines. David said, nobody's going to stand up to this guy. And as a young man, he went to the king and said, I'll fight him. And with just a farmer boy's sling, he ran into battle and he killed the giant. Cut off his head with the, with his own, with the, with the giant's own sword. And David defeated Goliath that day. And, and on that same battlefield now, David is facing the Philistines again. They're like, you know, we're just always going to have to deal with this, these guys. This is just never going to go away, is it? And so this day, they're just annoying them, taunting them. And they're like, forget it. We're just running away. And then Eliezer goes, no, no, no. 
No, I am tired of these guys always terrorizing our nation. I'm tired of these same people coming back and and haunting us. And, and they, they try to fight. They fought my grandfather. They fought my father. They're fighting us. And you know what? I am not going to leave this fight for my sons. Not today. And you just, instead of running, he pulls out a sword. Faces, he finds a fight worth fighting for. So let me, let me ask you this. What, what makes you sad? What makes you mad? What breaks your heart? What stuff do you see on the news and you read about in the headlines and when somebody posts it on Facebook that just, it makes your blood boil a little bit and, and you, just, you go like this, you go, you know, somebody should do something about that. That someone is you. You might have been uniquely created and designed to face that fight. You know how you find your fight? You don't choose it. It chooses you. God has uniquely created each of you for a specific fight. And he's given you that moment where your instinct says, run away. Your instinct says, like everybody else, hey, I mean, other mighty warriors are running from this fight. Why do I have to stand and fight it? And Eliezer could have certainly been justified to run with his friends, but not this day. He found his fight by simply determining that he was going to face what was chasing him. Sometimes, you know what? You don't need... You don't need a new job. You don't need a new spouse. You don't need a new family. You don't need a new location. You don't need to move somewhere else because of what's chasing you right now. No, there are days when you know what you say, yeah, I don't need a new family. I need to fight for my family. Our challenge is we got to stop running from what's chasing us and face a fight we're fighting for because it makes a difference. So what is it? Is it that your marriage has been chronically you're chronically dealing with the same problems over and over. Is it that your finances are falling apart? Is it that you just can't make work work? Is it that you've got some emotional challenge or some mental anguish that's troubling you? And you know what? At some point, you just determine, I'm tired of running. I'm going to fight for this. You know what? If I won this battle, this would change everything. What's the one battle in your life that if you fought it and you won, it would change everything about your life? Would you determine right now to find that fight and make that your battle this year? So, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find that fight. And all you got to do is uh, remember, this is not a, fi- a fight with natural weapons. This is not motivated by anger or fear or rage or hate or hurt, right? This is recognizing God has already won the ultimate battle. He has defeated sin. He gives me victory through Jesus Christ. And now he fills my life with his spirit and with love. So the motivation to fight this fight has to come from a place of faith and love and a peace in God's presence. And you just determine, you know what? I can make a difference. Now, when you find your fight, what do you do next? It, let, me, let me challenge you with this. Uh, he goes like this. So, so he, he, this is a situation, and then it just simply makes this next statement. He goes, but he stood his ground. You know what you do when you find a fight worth fighting for? You, instead of turning and running, you just turn, stand your ground. You just, it says, so, so my challenge to you is stand your ground. That's right. In order to face your fight, you have to be willing to stand your ground. Where have you been compromising? Where have you yielded when you should have taken the stronger ground? Where, where have you compromised your integrity? 
You're not even the same person you remember yourself being. When you look back on when you were younger and you had all these passions and beliefs and you had this faith that was young and, and, and maybe a little juvenile, but you know what? When you look back on your former self, you're like, I've, I've compromised so much in my life. Maybe it's time to stand your ground. Maybe it's time to stop running. The, the specific, when it translates here from the Hebrew, it, it really captures this idea of he didn't just stand his ground, he took a stand. And where is the time for you to take a stand? Maybe it's in your own family. It's time for you to stand up for your marriage. It's time for you to stand up for the soul of your children. It's time for you to take a stand in your workplace where you keep compromising, you keep cheating, you keep acting like everybody else around you, but inside your faith tells you, I need to live differently than everyone else around me, and it's time for you to take a stand. Where, where do you, when you go home and you put your head on the pillow at night, do you feel bothered inside? Man, I, I'm not living the way I should be living. Maybe you're living with someone. You're, 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 you know you're outside of God's way for right living. It's time for you to take a stand and start living differently. Maybe it's a matter where you're using your money to please yourself, and it's time for you to take a stand with your finances and say, you know what? I'm going to start living differently. I'm going to take a stand. This is something worth standing up for. And, and then I want to challenge you in that same passage that I read from 1 Corinthians 15, 56 and 7, where it says, you have victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. This is his very next phrase. In light of the fact that you have victory through the Lord Jesus Christ, therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Because you know you have victory in Jesus, stop running. Stop running into sin. Stop running from fear, stop running from the enemy that's chasing you and face your fight. Stand firm in faith. Stand firm in your conviction. Stand firm for what is right. Know your fight and then don't back down. Now, if you're going to do this, let me challenge you with the next step then. It's, it's not complicated, but it's also not easy. And it's this, start small, dream big. When you, when you find your fight and then you determine to stand your ground, what are you going to do? Well, Eliezer, you know, he could have tried to like fight all those soldiers all at once, right? He's just like running through the field like, ah, like a maniac. No, no, no. You fight one. And then you fight the next one. And then you fight, right? So you have to start small, dream big, which means you start with the end in mind. You, you have to do one thing but keeping your eye on the big thing. This requires a radical shift in most of our thinking. Most of us, we just dream big. We got big ideas that we're never gonna accomplish. And we're gonna, we're gonna finish this year with regret. Man, I ran and regretted, and I never really did anything significant. You know how you do significant things? You do small things frequently, aiming in the same direction. This is going to require you and I to find our fight, stand our ground, and then start small but dream big. It means that I have to determine that this is worth fighting for and then come up with a plan, a battle strategy. And then in my battle strategy, I have to find what is that first step I need to take and then, most radical idea of all, actually take it. That's right. Let me give you a principle that might radically change your life. Start now. 
do it right now. No, seriously. Some of you, while I'm speaking, you might actually need to get out your cell phone and send a text. Sweetheart, I am sorry. Forgive me. Some of you, you're going to need tomorrow morning to make a commitment to begin doing work differently. Start now. Apply. Write the manuscript. Ask her. All right? Start now. Actually put action to your dream. This is a fight worth fighting. God is breaking your heart with this. Then maybe today is that you need to write the check. Begin to serve. Start doing something significant, but all significant things don't start with the big thing. They start with lots of little faithful small things, which then leads to this point, right? I don't want you to miss it. And that is not just to start but to, and stand your ground, but to fight on. I love this, probably why I anchored our whole series in this one story, but here it is, right? 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 10. But he stood his ground. He struck down the Philistines. Here it is, right? Check this out. Uh, I know it's not up there, but just follow with me. Till his hand grew tired and froze to his sword. And the Lord brought about a great victory that day. The troops returned to Eliezer, but only to strip the dead. When you, when you find your fight and you stand your ground and you start small, most of us, what our instinct's going to do is when, you, when your hand gets tired, you drop the sword and you, run, you start running to go find your friends. If this is a fight worth fighting, then it's got to be worth dying for. Meaning, die to yourself, die to your pride, die to your ego, die to your dreams, your aspirations, what you're going to get out of it. If this is worth fighting for, if God has called you to this, then my challenge to you is, I don't care if your hand grows tired and you're frozen to your sword, you don't let up. Let them find us facing our fight. If this is worth doing, then do it with all you've got, with all of your heart. This is a little phrase, a long obedience in the same direction. Don't give up when you get tired. Don't give up just because you're worn out. If your marriage is worth fighting for, go find a new marriage. You don't need a new spouse. You need to fight for your home. And just because it's hard, just because you're frustrated, just because you don't like the way, you know, she spoke to you or he, he acted toward you, you don't give up. No, 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 no. You let, your, you let your hand freeze to your sword and you say, this is worth fighting for. And you fight on. Can I challenge you? Fight on. Fight on. Fight on. Don't quit now. Stay the course. Keep doing the right thing long enough. If it's worth doing, fight on. Fight on. Fight on. Let's make a commitment. We're looking ahead to throughout 2017. Our commitment is do the right thing long enough. Fight on on. Keep being faithful. Keep being generous. Keep serving. Keep loving. Keep giving. Keep caring. I don't care what it costs. If this fight is worth facing, then fight on. Every one of us can do one thing and start. And when your hand grows frozen to the sword because you're so tired, fight on. You have a choice. You can live lost wandering through life without purpose on the backside of a snow-covered mountain. And you'll have to expend the same amount of energy. It'll just be frantic energy rather than focused energy. And you'll keep falling while others keep fighting. 
So my challenge to you right now is this. What's your fight? If your fight is an internal one with sin, then I want you to know that you can have victory through faith in Jesus Christ. He faced your fight for you because you and I could never win that fight. So he fought for you. And the only thing you can do is surrender in faith to Jesus Christ. Allow him to become your Lord and Savior. Make that commitment right now. Don't go pick fights and then run away. Your, your first step is to believe in Jesus Christ. And my challenge to you would be start now. Make a confession of faith. Jesus, I believe in you. Become my Lord and Savior. And when you take that moment, you can take this moment right now to make that commitment that you're saying, Jesus, I believe in you. I surrender my life to you. Thank you for fighting for me. I receive victory through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Now, if you believe in Jesus, then my challenge to you is this. What enemy is chasing you? What challenges, what fears, what troubles have been chasing you? And you keep running, but it's time for you to turn and face your fight. And start right now and stand your ground and fight on. Would you make a commitment right now? As, you, as you're early in 2017, make a commitment that you're going to fight for your marriage. You're going to fight for the souls of your children. You're going to fight for generosity. You're going to fight for living rightly. Would you take a moment right now and just let God's Spirit speak to you? I believe the Holy Spirit right now is beginning to pierce your mind, beginning to pierce your, your heart, beginning to speak right into your spirit and reveal to you what you need to hear so you can begin to live rightly this year and fight the good fight. So would you just, just still your spirit right now? Let God's Spirit speak to you. Thank you for listening to audio from LifeHouse Church located in Hagerstown, Maryland. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.